Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 519. Today we're going to take a look at Beyond Baker Street. This is a new game from Z-Man Games uh, coming out about now. It will also be released at Gen Con. Uh, if you've ever played a game called Hanabi or possibly Bomb Squad, uh, this takes a mechanic that was sort of invented in Hanabi and continued to Bomb Squad and then kind of does a little bit more with it. So if you're not familiar with Hanabi, then what this is, is it's a cooperative game and players are holding a hand of cards, trying to play cards in a certain order to fulfill some goals. Uh, but you cannot see the cards that you're, you have. You're gonna face the cards away from you. Only the other players can see your cards. You can then see their cards. And then you give clues and take a couple different actions to, in this case, solve a case before uh, Sherlock Holmes solves it. So let's take a look at how this game actually works and then I'll tell you what I think about it. Okay, here you can see uh, the board set up. And there's a few different things to note about setup. The first thing is you're going to take this case file card here. And they have varying degrees of difficulty. And so for example, we'll just use the first one here. And this will tell you to put the Holmes marker, which is this uh, sort of Sherlock Holmes silhouette up here, on the 15 space on his track. And then you're also gonna take here the evidence marker, and you're gonna put this here at the beginning, like so. And then you're gonna take these three uh, confirmation markers here, put them on the card, and then you also note here it says the impossible is four. So you've got the impossible pile here, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. So that's gonna set that up. And then you've got these three sort of typical case types of things. You've got suspects, you've got motives, and then you've got here these opportunities, okay? So you're gonna take three cards from each of these decks and shuffle them up and then put them here on these three spaces like so. So here you can see we have the suspects. And you're gonna flip over the top of those three cards. The only thing really noted here is the color of the card and the number itself. So you can see we've got two purples and then we also have here this kind of brown one here. And then players, if they wish, and I would recommend it maybe after your first game or so, uh, you can take and randomly pull or choose these different characters. Now the characters also will adjust uh, the difficulty and you can see by the number of pipes down here. Uh, so the more pipes, the better. So the, the more <laughs> beneficial the ability is. Whereas if it's a single pipe, it might be something that hurts you. Uh, so for example here, let's see, like this fellow here, Inspector Jones, when you go to try to identify evidence, he actually can't identify this type of evidence here. Uh, so, and but uh, let's see, let's find a good one here. So this one here, at the start of the game, raise the impossible card limit by one, Helen Stoner there. Uh, so as you can see, she's a three pipe uh, character. So players will get that and that will influence some reactions in the game. And then depending on the number of players, you're gonna draw a certain number of cards. So for a two player game, we'll draw six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And instead of looking at the cards like I'm doing now, I'm gonna be careful and I'm going to face them away. So I'm gonna kind of fan them out. And then other players will have their cards fanned towards myself and the other players. And then the game is going to start. And what you're trying to do is solve each of these instances here. So the suspects, the motives, and the opportunity. And also get the evidence marker here up to 20. And you're trying to do that before Holmes gets to the zero point and he has solved the case before you. Now if Holmes gets there before you, then you lose the game. The other way to lose the game is if you fail 
at these different types of evidence here. So we have here the suspect. Uh, you can actually fail this one, so then in that case you'll flip the next one and the next one if you fail again. If you deplete a stack of these, and again each of these are three cards, then you'll also lose. And also if the evidence marker ever gets to 20, but you haven't confirmed all three of those. So if it gets 20 before you confirm those, then you also will lose. So starting with start player, then players can take turns doing actions and it gives you here a player A card to remind you of what your actions are. Also on the back it reminds you how the impossible thing works, which I'll explain. And so the first action you can do is actually assist or identify. Now every time you do that, Holmes is going to advance one space. And the way that you do that is you will take a look at somebody's hand and then you will tell them about it. So there's two things you can tell them about. You can say a number or a color. And if you notice with the colors, uh, like these purple ones all have these little doors and, or little files and then the brown ones have little footsteps and then these sort of turquoise ones have uh, these people. So if it kind of helps for colorblind folks, you can just say these two are the people. So what you do is, you, again, you name a color or a number. So you can say, you might touch them and say these two are the blue ones or these two are the purple ones or you might say these two are the sixes. So you again, if you kind of know Hanabi, you can't be like this one's the six and this one's the six. This is the good six right here. <laughs> you can't do anything like that. You'll see why. Uh, you've got to just be very, these two are sixes and these two are browns. And it's up to the player that you're helping to know, you know, kind of sort of deduce why you're giving them that information. And what you're trying to do is get colored cards matching whatever color here. So you might try to get the brown cards matching this, and you try to get a card total equaling 12. Whereas in these two places, you want purple cards, but you want the total to equal 10 and 8. You want it to equal it exactly. So in the next section that you do beyond identifying cards for a player is doing what's called the investigate action. And that's actually playing a card down. Again, you're playing it blindly. So if I do this, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is a purple five. So I'm going to take and play it and put it down there. So you pick the spot, you play it, and then you flip it up and then you see, okay, good. So it matches the color and the total of cards here hasn't exceeded uh, this. Now, if the color does not match the card that you played, so if you played it under here, then what you do is you actually have to take this card here, tuck it under there. So this is technically still a brown pile, but now instead of hitting 12, you've got to hit uh, 17. So you don't want that to happen. Now let's say though you had played it right here, and then the next player came along and they couldn't add or something, <laughs> or they didn't realize it was a six, that maybe they thought it was a five, and they played this here. Now this matches, that's fine, but now you've exceeded here the value of 10 with 11. And so what happens now is you've sort of broken that. This will be taken and moved to the impossible pile. And then the next one will be flipped up here. And that one, you'll see that one like so. Now this is bad in a number of ways. First off, you've got you've blown sort of an investigation here, and so now you're down a card. Also, you've added a card to the impossible pile. If you remember here, this card here shows that we have an impossible limit of four. And so what happens is after you, you've beaten that limit, and there's other ways to add cards to this pile, uh, then Holmes is going to start moving every time a new card gets added to the impossible pile. And again, he always moves when players give each other clues anyway. Uh, and also when that happens, these cards are taken and shuffled back into uh, the evidence deck here. Now if the total equals exactly the control number here, so this is an eight, and let's say we had a five and a three, then a player, as their action on the turn, they can take and confirm that. So we'll, they'll take this marker here, and then we'll mark that as confirmed. So this is locked out here. 
So you no longer need to worry about this. You've solved whoever the motive of the suspect was there. And then when you do that, Holmes is also going to move backwards uh, one space. Now the next thing you can do, and this will also add cards to the impossible pile, is just take and do an eliminate action, which that simply means discard a card from your hand to the impossible pile. And the, the evidence is actually gonna move up spaces equal to uh, the value there. So it's gonna move up five spaces. So one, two, three, four, five, and so that's moved up there. But again, we've added a card to the impossible pile when we've gotta worry about our impossible limit. The other thing you can do is you can pursue. Uh, let's say you don't like this card. In this last example where we had two purple cards here, that can sometimes be tough because you've got to sort of spread uh, between those. You can take a card and just take it off of this, the top one here, and move it into here and then flip this one up. And again, that actually adds a card to the impossible pile, so you've got to be very careful. But it might be advantageous to do that. So the last little bit of information to tell you is you have to be very careful when you do this action here to uh, do the eliminate because if you play a card, let's say this was up here, like I don't know, the 17, and you play this five, and that five would cause this evidence marker to go past the 20, then you will lose the game. So you've gotta be very careful there at the end of the game uh, and probably keep some, hopefully, some low count cards back to get that. Uh, to that marker there. So you have to be exactly at 20 and then also have each, all three of these uh, marked. And that is the game. So that is Beyond Baker Street. Now, if Bomb Squad hadn't already have fired an hobby for me, this certainly would have. However, I don't think the same types of players possibly would like Bomb Squad that would also like this. Now, Bomb Squad has this real-time element that's very, very, very stressful and a lot of folks are just not going to get behind. I happen to love it. This one doesn't have that, obviously. Uh, but the thing that this has over Hanabi is it really grounds you in, in, in the theme of it. And that actually makes it a little bit easier to play, at least for me. Uh, I can sort of grasp some of the clues and things a little bit better instead of just thinking, okay, red five, blue four, all that stuff. You still have that. But you kind of realize, okay, I have a target for that information. I know this is the pile I'm going for because this is the only purple one out here. And so I know I can get this rid of this out here. So that's a four purple. Okay, we're going and we're shooting for, um, you know, to try to get up to eight. So it gives you some kind of parameters. It kind of focuses you, you know, down certain paths. And you have a little bit more, at least at the beginning of the game, a little bit more freedom in terms of the clues. You don't feel so like under the gun right away like you do in Hanabi. Hanabi is a little bit more under the gun right away, and I think that could be also off-putting for people. But this one, you have a little, there's a little bit more just kind of generally going on, you know? You might discard a card to get the, the evidence up just so you can kind of draw through the deck. Now, it's a very, very kind of finite deck in a lot of ways. Um, and so you've got to be very discreet and careful about, you know, which cards you actually use. Because you can sort of toast yourself if you discard a card to, you know, get the evidence up. You're like, ooh, that card was kind of be kind of helpful. <laughs> to helping us solve, you know, one of the three uh, uh, motivations or suspects. Uh, so you may have to end up going, okay, well, we hose ourselves and somebody else can just look at you and then I'll just take them, discard the lead card and just be looking at you the whole time, you know, because they're like, oh, well, if you'd have played that here, we would have solved that or confirmed that. Uh, so that's kind of fun, you know, moment. And the character abilities are really neat. And this is another way, actually, that the game kind of grounds uh, me into the theme of it because... Like, just having those sort of conditions and things, they kind of inform a little bit uh, sometimes the clues that you can give. So that's a very, very cool thing. Now, I would say 
probably don't play without these the first time you play. Just kind of play it generally. And then throw the characters in, because then it's going to add to it. Uh, but the other thing that's going to that kind of dovetail out of that is you have sort of a little bit of a toolkit idea. You have the different um, difficulty levels. So you might start homes on eight here, and then you might have an impossible of one. So you can really kind of ratchet up uh, the difficulty level a lot uh, with that, or you know, playing around with the different characters. Maybe play the easy one with really hard characters, and then play the hard one with very easy characters. So you can kind of play around with that. And that, of course, is gonna to add to the replayability. And the theme of it's really cool. I mean, it's a Sherlock Holmes theme, uh, which oddly enough, I like haven't really played a game. I'm not going to mention a game because I'll get fried for not liking it. But there's a bunch of Sherlock Holmes games I've tried. I'm just like, nah, that doesn't do it for me. This is really the first Sherlock Holmes game I think is gamey enough that I can get into the mechanics of it and get into sort of the whole kind of natural abstract deduction. So that's happening, you know, I feel like I'm figuring things out. Um, but then it kind of roots me into the theme a little bit and so I can get behind that a little bit. Um, so I highly recommend this game. I think folks will have a lot of fun with it. Uh, it's coming out now, I think, and it should be at Gen Con at the ZMAD booth if you're there. So uh, definitely look for it. And I would say if you didn't like Hanabi, you, there's a chance you might like this one because it's a little bit more grounded. It's not just so purely like beyond abstract and minimalist. Uh, you know, it has some stuff kind of pulling you into, you know, the what you should be doing. So it kind of grounds you in the mechanics. I think that's going to, I think that should go a long way for folks. So I would say give this one a shot. And maybe if you have a group, maybe you like Hanabi, but your group didn't really care for it. And I would say, you know, get this and pull it out and give it another shot. Uh, because I think this really uh, goes a long way in sort of kind of progressing that that cool mechanic. So, thanks.